Welcome to San Diego News Fix, The Backstory, where we tackle important questions about journalism ethics and give you a behind-the-scenes look at our industry and our newsroom. I'm Luis Cruz. This fall, the San Diego Union-Tribune editorial board held a series of free community forums ahead of the November 8th election, including one that was contentious and rowdy, and another that ended with interruptions by some angry attendees. Joining us to tell us more about some of these community forums is Union-Tribune editorial and opinion director. Director Matthew T. Hall, Managing Editor Laura Sacalo, and we begin with Editor and Publisher Jeff Light. Jeff? Yeah, thank you, Luis. Um, and Matt, thank you for uh, coming on at a very busy time for, for you and your group, uh, in particular with this work that you've done uh, with candidate interviews. And I was looking at the site earlier uh, this week, and I think I counted email interviews with 78 candidates. And uh, video of 33 editorial board uh, uh, sessions, and as well as these seven live forums. And I wanted to focus on that. Um, you know, in particular, in this uh, uh, post-COVID work-from-home uh, uh, era, this return to in-person work very, um, very old school, and uh, uh, and. Uh, very grassroots, and I think pretty important. So um, why don't we just start with, why did you want to do these in-person forums? Yeah, so we did seven live forums um, with plans to do five of them live and in-person and ended up doing three in-person because some of the candidates' schedules didn't um, uh, open up enough for them to come. And so we did those live on Zoom. But the reason why... To me, doing live in-person forums is important. It's a celebration of community. It's it's a it's a reflection of the community. It's 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 a show that, you know, we're not doing this um, only in our um, bedrooms um, or at 600 B Street downtown. We're actually going to the Chula Vista um, Library and going to um, you know the San Diego. Uh, public library branches in the city council districts and going to the central library downtown because that, you, you know, it, that's where the people who are going to be voting um, are. And so it's always smart in journalism to not make a phone call when you can go to talk to someone in person. And as you pointed out, now that the um, people are emerging more and more from, from, from COVID-19, it seemed like an important thing to do and unprecedented for us. We we had never done this prior to the primary election. Yeah. So uh, uh, I think, I think actually that's well said that, you know, ne never do the phone call if you can talk to the person face to face and, and look them in the eye. I guess there's something to explore there. Do we, do we actually learn more through, uh, through an in-person uh, encounter than we do from a, a zoom encounter? Uh, uh, I guess we don't know that for sure. Certainly, you know, Zoom uh, offers a lot more accessibility. If a lot more people can can uh, can get on Zoom, they can take time out to show up. How was uh, how was attendance at these uh, sessions? They were pretty high. The branch libraries obviously are smaller. The central library was at. We had that function with the sheriff's candidates in the Neil Morgan Auditorium, which probably holds a couple hundred people, and I'd say it was half full. You know what I mean? On a Tuesday night, um, the Padres uh, series had ended, so that wasn't a conflict. Uh, but 
No, I mean, people took the time out of their busy calendars to come down on a night, and, and which, you know, we weren't sure where to hold that one. We wanted to have that one be central. Um, the library can be hard to get to, but it's also close to public transit. Bella Ross on my team, our um, community engagement specialist, really grabbed this project and just ran with it. And, and she was the one who was like, we need to do this in person, uh, in the districts that where they're voting, near trolley lines. In the primary, one of the candidates themselves came and showed in a question about transit, the three bus schedules that she had used so that she could get it there to talk about kind of, you know, how San Diego was falling short in that category. So we took it very seriously, this in-person um, aspect. Yeah. So not giant numbers, but I think uh, for the candidates, certainly campaigning is all about showing up in the community. And uh, so I think that uh, calls on us as journalists to do the same. So I think important work. Um, so we can dive in a little more uh, in detail in a minute. But overall, what, what was that experience like for you beyond being a tremendous amount of work moderating all these uh, all these forums? Like, I, I guess before we get to that, you know, how do you do that? How do you prepare? Uh, what, what is that like? Yeah, it's a good question. So I don't eat dinner the night before. I stay on my computer and work till midnight or one o'clock and make sure I know these issues cold. And we, you know, have questions that aren't just mine. They're the editorial boards that we've kind of workshopped. And then I ask members of the community. We also are having these broadcasts live. So um, audience members, the, the perk of being there is that we allowed people to ask questions. It wasn't just, we weren't just, you know, it wasn't our show. It was their show as much. Um, and so I went in with a kind of a strategy of what questions to ask. And each race was different. Obviously, the sheriff's race where you have, you know, three dozen people who have died in the last 20 months in custody um, in San Diego County jails, that forum, the questions you ask of that forum are going to have a greater, going to be more serious and somber than they might be in a city council race where, you you know, the issues are serious, but maybe not life or death. In Chula Vista, the crowd was a very rowdy crowd and they kept on interrupting. And so that one didn't just test my research ahead of the fact. It kind of tested my, you know, cat herding um, in, in real time. And um, so you're using a lot of skill sets. The trick for me was doing the research. And so, I, you know, whether that involved talking to people who are familiar with these issues ahead of time, um, making sure I knew which questions to ask and that knew the issues cold. So if candidate X said something that didn't quite jive with the facts, I could ask a follow-up and call him on that. And that, you know, it's it's nothing that journalists don't do every day, but it just, when you have these stacked up back-to-back -back nights, it, it makes for um, not a lot of sleep and, and a lot of stress. Yeah. And uh, sort of overall takeaways, what, what, what was that experience being on the ground with the candidates and, uh, uh, like for you? I enjoyed being with the candidates. I enjoyed getting there early and staying late and talking to the folks who, who, who cared enough to show up. And I also don't know how or if we'll do these again. It, it's it's a lot of work. There's a lot of logistical issues. We had some tech failings that were frankly embarrassing. And so, you know, we did our best after the fact to share video and audio, but it didn't always work in real time with Facebook Live. So Mark Zuckerberg, if you're listening, hook a brother up. Um, you know, and but there is a value to these things. And so the question for, for me will be, you know, is it worth it to have a debate with candidates for 60 minutes when eight or 10 minutes of that is audience interruptions, hooting and hollering, uh, you know, as we had in, in, in Chula Vista? Um, 
And then is there a value to doing it on Zoom where there won't be the interruptions, but someone might be able, you can't read their body language to your questions about being in person. And you can't, you don't know if they have their own cheat sheet on their computer screen that they're reading off of. So, you know, it's, 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 it's a balancing act. And I think I would prefer to be live, but there are definitely some tricks to that. Yeah. Maybe we can work a little bit next year or in two years with uh, additional partners to build uh, maybe greater scale around this. So you mentioned Chula Vista and a couple of uh, forums I wanted to hear more about were Chula Vista and the sheriff's, uh, yeah. the sheriff's forum. Um, uh, maybe you can walk us through those. Yeah. So Chula Vista was Monday night uh, in the Chula Vista library. That room was full. It was standard room only. So dozens of people, um, you know, and the candidates there are Republican John McCann, who's been on the city council 16 of the last 20 years, and Amar Campanajar, who has held no office, but has run quite uh, prominently for Congress um, in 2018 and 2020, and now in Chula Vista. And so you had people interrupting saying, Amar doesn't live in this city. Uh, you know, and you had people uh, interrupting saying, John McCann didn't do that. And, and you know, I would love it if I these forums were a, a civil conversation between me and the candidates um, and the audience members' questions were asked in a thoughtful way, um, at, you know, during the course of that conversation rather than it being yelled from the audience all at once. So I would say it was very rowdy. You know, people were um, um, approaching me. I mean, I'll tell you, I'll be real. Uh, one guy walked up to the to the podium early on and I'm thinking, where's security? Does this person have a gun? What happens? Like, you know, luckily that person didn't have a gun or didn't show that he had a gun. But when you have someone coming up to you in the middle of an audience and you're, you know, there's a lot going on and you're trying to make sure that the conversation is on point and that the candidates are treated fairly and heard and their answers are, um, you know, at the right length that we've set for them, which was 90 seconds, there's just a lot to juggle. And so people coming up to you in an angry forum there's a level of discomfort that I, that I wouldn't wish on anyone. Yeah. So in that, uh, a lot of emotions expressed there. So there was even a, a, a some sense of menace in the uh, debate. Of uh, venison, did you say? No, menace. <laughs> menace. It's a sense uh, of menace in the yeah. debate. Um, yeah. I mean, those guys, I don't know if those guys, I would say those guys don't like each other. You know, that campaign has been... Um, unimpressive, uninspiring, and a lot of mudslinging. And, you know, we just, we, we've published our endorsement in that kind of bemoaning um, how, how uh, unimpressed we were with the two candidates and the way that they're campaigning. Um, so, yeah, the, 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 that one was, they were interrupting each other, you know, as much as the audience members were uh, interrupting uh, each other. And it, it kind of felt like, you know, to some extent, like it was a high school um, student body president debate rather than people running for a uh, position of mayor in the second largest city in San Diego County in a city that's the same size as Buffalo or Pittsburgh, like these major American cities. It didn't feel like they were running for a, a job at a major American city, unfortunately. Yeah, I think there's a tough journalistic question there because, you know, in when we write the stories, everything seems a little more um, uh, 
there's a greater sense of decorum than maybe actually existed in real life. So having these uh, debates live definitely give you a different flavor. And on the other hand, we're sort of uh, giving a platform to the people who want to shout. And I think there was some, you know, I heard some uh, some pretty disturbing and unattractive things that were shouted at that debate. Well, I mean, afterwards, you know, you got to take this with a little bit of a grain of salt because these people who, who, who were there support either of the candidates. And so obviously they're um, proxies for the people who are on stage. But people would come to me afterwards for that one and said, um, I apologize. The crowd was embarrassing. There were some racist things that were being uh, uh, thrown out. You know, and my job as a moderator is to keep a level of decorum because you don't want it to go off the rails. And you certainly don't want people um, being racist or, um, you know, um, sharing things that are wildly inappropriate. So th- there's definitely a degree of difficulty to moderation when it when it comes to issues like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot to think about there. And then um, the other big uh, debate was the the sheriff's candidates. Uh, um, t- tell me about that. Yeah, I mean, that was the night after. So I immediately prepped not only for the candidates, but for the audience. You know, frankly, at that one, because um, of some of the comments that one, one of the candidates had, had made in the primary, we actually pulled our endorsement in that race. So that's another interesting thing about this whole thing too, right? So we are not only talking to these folks or making endorsements, and so they need to trust that I'm going to treat them fairly. And I think that in the sheriff's race, they did. They both, A, showed up. They both were very civil. They both were, uh, they were, they were, they were the adults in the room. Like, I think that was a really good, I think anyone who watches that will get a good sense of what those candidates bring to the table, what their approaches are, how there's distinct differences between the two. And so that was a conversation. Again, I had, I had prepped, you know, a ton for it and, and created questions that literally got to the severity of the problem in county jails. And those aren't the only problems facing the next sheriff. Um, where that forum got interesting was in the last, I'd say, 20 minutes or so, maybe eight or 10 or a dozen family members of people who had died in custody showed up with one of their advocates and you know we had been handing out index cards for people in the audience to ask questions of me and one of my teammates was going on and handing them to me and so i got the stack of cards after they had sat down fairly quietly and the cards said you know they're they're family members of 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 people who had died so i knew the context as i was going through those questions and of course, I asked several of the questions. Some of them, because they came late, had already been asked. So I didn't ask all of their questions. But before too long, these people who were very, you know, obviously um, righteously outraged and, and understandably, um, you know, beyond upset, started asking the questions of the candidates themselves, kind of, you know, from the front row, raising their voices and asking questions. And I tried to interject and say, look, I understand that you are, you know, that I don't understand what you're going through, but let, let's respect the candidates in this process and allow them a chance to answer your questions and see, you know, what what we can get to the bottom of, and and if maybe you can talk to them after the debate. Um, and so that one was tough in a different way than Shula Vista, which mm-hmm. was like, you know, immature and like really like that one, you know, th- those are real people in real anguish, and um, so that there was a, a different degree of difficulty there. 
Yeah, absolutely fascinating. I think you touched a little bit on uh, one of Laura's questions. Uh, Laura, you were interested in uh, in uh, Matt's role as the uh, editorial director and interacting with newsmakers. What uh, what were your questions there? Well, yes, you you did kind of touch on this a bit. I'm I'm curious how you balance this role as the moderator in these forums with your role as opinion director, where part of your task in election season is you're developing endorsements of the very people that you're the unbiased moderator <laughs> encouraging to answer your questions. And I'm wondering, one, how you think about that, and two, whether you've gotten any blowback either from the candidates or from the the public about kind of the duality that you're trying to balance. Yeah, it's a great question. And I would welcome any feedback from anyone. I haven't really heard that brought up a lot, but I mean, the short answer is when I'm at being a moderator of those forums, I leave my judicial robes from the editorial and opinion director position away. Like there, I'm literally trying to ask tough questions of both candidates and, you know, kind of draw out um, their, their, their strengths and their ideas and also kind of test their weaknesses. And I don't want, you know, so most of the questions are, are some, many of the questions are similar and asked of both candidates, but I definitely ask, you know, questions that kind of drill down into some of the things that either they've said about their opponent or that they've, um, you know, issues that are, are unclear or where, um, you know, there's there, there's something to kind of ferret out there and learn more about or that seems a little, you know, suspicious. I mean, the reality is those forums are done for two groups of people. They're they're primarily done for the public so that they can make um, decisions about who to vote for and what they think. But they're also done for our editorial board, who is either present and listening or following along live on tech via technology or tracking it after the fact, because what makes it, your point is very insightful, you know, most often when there's a journalist doing those things, they're the unbiased reporter who's going to get called on their bullshit if they step too far in one direction. And I like get paid to have an opinion ultimately. But I think with the candidates, you know, my MO has always been, I'm going to let you know, um, I want to be upfront with you. So I try to just today, I've done it with our editorial in the Chula Vista mayor's race. I, 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 I texted both John McCann and Amar Campanajar, our editorial. And I said, here it is, you know, um, good luck in the campaign. Um, let me know what you think. Sometimes the candidates do, sometimes the candidates don't. Um, but I, I do think that's it is an interesting situation. And I just kind of look at it as I'm a journalist, I'm trying to ask questions. Um, uh, and I try to keep the hats separate, but obviously there's overlap. Um, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Now, uh, uh, I, I do think, uh, we're beginning to see, um, a little bit of the, uh, uh, I guess the campaign tactics for a very divided time, right? Okay. Where now... Uh, candidates who feel like they're not going to win your support are uh, uh, opting out, not participating, sort of uh, running against 
the uh, the editorial board. Um, I don't know if that's a new thing. What's uh, w what's going on in this uh, this cycle with that uh, kind of behavior? Yeah, I mean, I think yeah, you know, running against the media is is a tried and true um, uh, campaign strategy that consultants have been doing since there were strategists and campaigns and people covering them. But I also think it is something we have to be mindful of. This cycle, there were several candidates who we brought in, not as part of these live forums, but as just part of interviews where they didn't come in. Senator Alex Padilla didn't come in. Um, um, Rep. Daryl Issa didn't come in. Uh, Daryl Issa's campaign said, it's because you didn't endorse him in the primary, we don't want to waste our time. We had it, we did endorse Padilla in the primary. We endorsed him again after the fact. Um, but what's interesting is that before Padilla was a senator, he was secretary of state. And so he oversaw voting and um, has throughout his career said how important voting is and public interaction is and a for, an informed electorate. And so I said, look, it's kind of ridiculous. I understand that the senator is very busy, but if he can't find an hour in his schedule to talk about elections, that kind of undercuts years of, of righteous rhetoric on his part. And that's, you know, I'm a little um, surprised and upset by that. Um, and so when we did the forums, there were actually three council candidates who, who didn't come in. One wasn't a serious candidate. It's the the, the, the challenger in um, um, District 4 was running against Monica Montgomery Step. So I just had a conversation with Monica. Monica is brilliant and, you know, I enjoy talking with her. And so we just had a conversation like we are here. And I think it was voters came away with that knowing more about her and it was an interesting conversation. There were two races, one in District 8 where two incumbents didn't come in, District 8, uh, Vivian Moreno, and District 2, Jennifer Campbell. And their explanations were different and, and we understood one and didn't understand the other. Vivian, as listeners probably know, is on maternity leave. So she isn't really campaigning. So that's a pretty good excuse. Uh, <laughs> we wrote that, that Jennifer Campbell was not on maternity leave, but absent without leave because she is running a campaign where she's being called out for her, um, the way that she interacts with the public or rather doesn't interact with the public. And there's all these questions about constituent services and how she takes too long to get back to people if she does it all. She has very good answers for about why those people are wrong, but she didn't explain that to us in a forum because her, her her campaign decided that it wasn't worth their time because we had not endorsed her in the primary. And so right. that's where to the question Laura asks, where there actually is a really weird calculation involved where the hat that I wear as the editorial opinion director kind of gets in the way of the hat that I want to wear as a smart moderator who has two smart people in front of them and can have a conversation. Because if they're choosing not to talk to the public through our forum, you know, that, in my opinion, that doesn't help the candidate and it certainly doesn't help the public. Well, it can help the candidate. It's a classic Trump tactic uh, to uh, uh, demonize those who ask hard or inconvenient questions and to, uh, to, uh, to, to opt out of a public conversation. So uh, candidates are successful with that all the time. And um, sort of the downside of our system, I guess. But uh, maybe that's a subject for another podcast. Matt, that was fascinating. Thank you. Next for, election. Uh, I'm going to call into yeah. a cave in about 10 days and sleep for a month. <laughs> thank you for all that hard work. And thank you for uh, for sharing with us here today, uh, Luis. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Laura and Matt. 
As mentioned, the community election forums were live streamed on Facebook and are available for viewing on our website at San DiegoUnionTribune.com slash election forums. That does it for this special edition of San Diego News Fix. Don't forget to listen to San Diego News Fix with Christy Totten for an in-depth look at local stories making headlines throughout the week. You can find San Diego News Fix wherever you get your podcasts. For everyone at the San Diego Union Tribune, thank you very much for listening and for supporting local journalism. Have a great day, everybody.